0: Happy snow day <laughs> happy snow day welcome to uh, love babs love talk i'm babs girls ivy and uh i'm live and in living color it's uh tuesday and it's a snow day it's a s- honest to god snow day uh there's more snow out there than i want it to be really it is so uh margo's out there shoveling and she put the her and brianna put the cover on my car So we don't have to clean off the car too much. All you have to do is just like pull the fitted sheet off of it. You know, the car cover is like a fitted sheet. Just pull it off. Uh, That way I could get out and do stuff. So I guess it's not as bad as we imagined it was going to be, but it is a lot of snow, but the temperature is going to rise. So it'll be, it'll warm up and then all this will go away and hopefully never to be seen again but this is the first major snowstorm of the season and we're uh, marching into March. So I guess that's a, that's a plus, I guess. Like we didn't have, we didn't have November, December, January, February of this. (laughs) Oh, well, that's the way love goes. So happy Tuesday. I don't even know if Paul Bass is out there stomping in these streets, looking for word on the street. I have no idea. I don't know. Listen, he has a hard enough time on good sunny days without inclement weather. So I don't know if he'll find anybody today in the snow. But I don't know. These diehards. Plus, kids don't have school today. So kids might be out with their sleds because they haven't been able to take their sleds out all season. So they might be they might have enough snow to get out there on the hills and the and and roll down on their boards and sleds and circular things. I mean, who knows? Maybe. Anyway, so we'll see what that yields us. If it yields us anything at all. Happy Tuesday. Uh, Tonight, uh, the Deltas are hosting another uh, conversation that matters. So we'll be at the Whitney Commons from 6 to 8 talking about housing and uh I will be facilitating that conversation with the with a heavy hitting panel of folks who know something about housing how to build it how to check for it how to manage it all of that so uh so we'll be having that conversation uh, from six to eight so if you're out there uh off Whitney, on Whitney Avenue find yourself on Whitney Avenue from uh six to eight come through uh it should be a, a rousing good time. And we'll give you some actionable steps so that you can, you know, be a better human and advocate for your neighbors. So there's that part. Uh, let me see what else is going on. You know, it's the last day of Black History Month. The last day of Black History Month. And, uh, you know, I want everybody to uh, be at their very best. Uh, we've had some good information flow through uh the airwaves of Black History Month. People really embraced it, I think, a little bit more this year than I've seen in a long time. Like, all kinds of people embraced Black History
1: Month. So, uh, yeah. You know. But today is the last day. And then we march right into
0: um, Women's History Month, which is what I'm stacking the paper up with right now. Uh, Women's History Month. So.
1: You know uh, you know that kind of stuff, so we're making our way, we're doing our thing
0: uh so yeah, so there there's stuff going on today, there's stuff going
1: on uh uh let's see tomorrow tomorrow's March first, so there's all kinds of stuff
0: going on, so uh get yourself get yourself tuned in. So I just found out over the week, uh, in the last couple of hours, about the Civic Orchestra, the New Haven Civic Orchestra. I had no idea there was a such thing. So I see them, and I'm like back and forth with them, like, are y'all new? (laughs) The Civic Orchestra of New Haven. And no, they are not new. They are artists who um, just want to play together because they love music. Not so much that they are, you know, a paid orchestra. So they're having a concert May 11th at Patel Chapel. So uh, I think there are tickets for sale. So I, I might pop in. Um, I might pop in. You know, I, I you know I love a good orchestra. Uh, I will be
1: at. Uh, <coughs> I will be at. The New Haven Symphony Orchestra. Come. Uh, I think Friday. I think it's Friday. I'm at the
0: symphony on Friday. And uh <coughs> excuse me. I got a little bit of a a little bit of a uh a, a cough. So I'm gonna be uh because you know they've been uh having their potential new music conductors uh perform so i am uh oh no that's march 10th okay never mind nope nope march 10th i'll be in the audience march 10th so get tickets so that's that's next friday the 10th next friday the 10th so um anyway they've got they've got four candidates so they're going to a they what they do is you know you go they their interview interview process is you know they interview people interview people and then they throw them at the orchestra and y'all go conduct it. <laughs> so I we already saw one, and so now this is the second one. And the the guy that was there, uh, he was amazing. He he had real command of the orchestra, and uh, he talked about community stuff and was very focused. So I, I listen, I, I don't know what to tell you. These these people know how to come with their A game. So uh so this is a woman coming up next week. Uh so I'm looking forward to uh I'm looking forward to seeing what she does. You know, so you know, I'll talk more about it next week. Uh yesterday I had a good conversation with uh uh Sean Marshall about Monhari's uh Harlan jazz supper club vibe that they got going on that i think is friday friday and uh i don't know if i i don't know if i'll be in the space we'll see that i my my goal i mean it's 30 dollars a ticket we'll see we'll see i don't i don't see anything on my calendar yet but you know that doesn't mean a daggone thing (laughs) that that could mean nothing at all That just means I I didn't put anything on it because, you know, running here, there and everywhere. Uh, But there's something going on at Marquand Chapel that I'm interested in, uh, Surviving Troubled Waters. And uh, it's a talk concert, hip hop kind of thing with these sisters. And I want to go see that. It's in the afternoon. So, so that's a you know that's doable, so I could conceivably get into something else Saturday night. I better be getting into some homework. That's what I better be doing. I better be sounding like the parent that I wish that I wish I was, you know. uh, but yeah, I mean, so, so I'm gonna go check that out Saturday. So my weekend is pretty pretty uh wide open. Uh, pretty wide open you know i've got I've got a few things I gotta do, but uh for the most part, uh tomorrow i'm I'm speaking at Cheshire Correctional Center, the uh, Department of Corrections, at Cheshire uh, uh, Women's History Month, and the call uh, of change folks um you know they every uh, every so often, the Department of uh, Corrections you know, takes in a new class. And so uh, we speak to the class about, you know, our experiences of what it means to be incarcerated and how they can be better humans. I guess they need a class on that. I mean, they need to hear from people about how to be better humans. Because I guess it's not innate. (laughs) So, and, you know, <laughs> if it's not innate on how to be a better human, I guess you got to bring humans in and say, "Listen, this is how you be a better human." So, uh, <laughs> so I'm doing that tomorrow, and uh, I don't think I need to get off air early. I think I just need to make sure I get off on time and just roll up there to Cheshire because um, I, I don't think it's terribly far away. You know, I think I can get there in the nick of time. So, so, that's what I have planned, uh, and a bunch of bills to pay yeah, so so this i I had this thing at two o'clock, but I need to put it to eleven thirty and uh get myself there, and uh it'll be fine, and i mean that's that's good enough, and then uh go here, Dr. Jonathan Berryman talk about. Uh, New Haven, Six Degrees, Separation of Music. So that's tomorrow at, at at six o'clock at the New Haven Museum. So I will be in that space because, you know, I just adore uh, Jonathan Berryman. Uh, he, we always just have some of the best conversations. And uh, he really is uh, an intellectual weightlifter. So we're having that conversation. So, so I we're not having that conversation we had a conversation but we're going to be on air. we go, I'm going to go see him tomorrow and I'm looking forward to it because you know support my friends my friends support me I support them so so yeah so hopefully the weather will be cooperating and it won't be icy and all this ridiculousness and mostly all the snow will be gone and you know and then I could go and uh and enjoy him so so yeah so the week is stacking up people it is stacking up to be what it is. It's something. <laughs> the, week, the week is something. Uh, I watched Good Morning America this morning. They had a the divine nine from Howard University on. If you don't know who the Divine Nine is, just go go Google it. But anyway, so so uh Robin Roberts is an AKA, her mama's a AKA. Her mama actually pledged Robin Roberts is honorary, which you know, no shade, because you 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 go the way you go. Um, but I, I didn't understand Lara Spencer's intrusion. Like, why 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 can't she just go sit down and let Robin just handle the whole divine nine? Why does she have to be in there? To do what? Girl, you don't know nothing about none of this. You're just being a white woman in the spaces that you don't need to be in, anyway and i guess uh uh and and uh yeah that's all i'm going to say on that <laughs> i'm i'm going to leave that right alone so how's it going out there margo well, did I
1: take it in your car
0: oh, all right did you put it in the car or you it's dripping the rest of the snow off it right now. okay all
1: right
0: yeah, I... why cuz it's slippery cuz
1: the slippery. that ice the snow that that car was heavy
0: yeah. Well, you got to, you got to brush it off first. You got to. I know, but if you, yes, yeah, if you, if you brush it off first before you shovel, you know, but thank you. Thank you. I get in my car
1: and I don't have to break my neck. Huh? Well, it's in there. Just take it out. It's open. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, live radio is so much fun. <laughs> I, get, I get to have I get to have all these conversations that have nothing to do with anything. <laughs>
1: oh, don't tell me. Word on the street, Paul Bass. You are in these streets. Wait, let me let me unmute you. How you doing, Babs? Good morning. I I was I was wondering if he
0: was going to be out there because the weather and all.
2: One person who you had no doubt was going to be out here was Juan and his dog, who? Gunny. Gunny, because Juan comes from Minnesota and Gunny comes from Colorado. (laughs) So like five six
3: inches of snow. You got to be kidding. Am I right, Juan? uh i didn't pay attention that's because us minnesota we don't care about the inches
2: <laughs> you care about the yards <laughs> like if we're talking three yards you got to get some extra <laughs> firewood right yeah, yeah. So, so juan tell me about this morning what how did the snow affect your day
3: what's the word on the street uh i work at career high school so um i got noticed at midnight no school I slept in a little. <laughs> All right,
2: Well, you were up at midnight.
3: Otherwise, you had to get up at six. Did it wake you up? Or yeah, well, we usually check the night before where we know the snowstorm is coming. So I yeah. have the day off. All right. Uh, lots of grading to catch up with. You uh-huh. know, so perfect. And then, as far as the snow, you know, people complain a lot about snow and stuff. But I grew up in Minnesota. Right. Where in Minnesota? Uh, Minneapolis, uh, suburb of Minneapolis. And, and I was a Vietnam War refugee when I was a teenager. Really? So our first winter in Minnesota, we had a blizzard that was so high, we literally had to go on the second floor to get out there, to, you know, <laughs> to jump through the snow, and then shovel our way out. So
2: And before that, had you seen snow? Like, how old were you when you came from Vietnam? Uh, I was 13.
3: Have no, you seen I snow. never saw snow.
2: So that was your first snow you saw? Yeah. That was your first one?
3: Oh, that was huge pretty much the first one. So, what did you think after that? You got used to it. Uh, I definitely got used to it. Uh, and if you grew up in Minnesota, this is just as beautiful as can get. It is pretty. Whoa. It
2: is so Whoa. pretty today. I mean, the world's okay today. Like you look down yeah. the street at Maple Street, there are no problems
3: in the world. Yeah. And you can't see the trash in the street. <laughs> so it was, so, New Haven's beautiful today. <laughs> so, Juan, what do you teach a career? I am uh, I'm a scientist, and I just recently uh, started teaching a career um, science. Uh, what great! Pretty much ten through twelve. I teach science, uh, biology, and STEM careers. Well, that's, that's pretty the, important right now. That's yes, New Haven's jobs. Yes, it is. The problem is that we're just not doing as good a job as we should be. And that's part, part. Hey, Johnny. Okay, you want to say hi? <laughs> well, Johnny. be cool. You don't have to protect me, baby. <laughs> that's what she does. There's a dog walking across the street and she has to protect me. But uh, I think in New Haven, we don't do a very good job of Educating and then training, and preparing our youth, mm-hmm. you know, for the STEM workforce, which, as you know, with jobs are now. Yeah, I mean, now your like job me, too. Look the biotech industry, right? The, two, now, the towers going up, hundred college, hundred one, there's going to be hundred two, probably. Yeah. You know, going up everywhere, and the kids don't even know about it. The school is not preparing us, to them, not me. I'm okay. I, I guess well, was that why you went into it? It sounded to me like you weren't. always a teacher? Were you so so what did he do for your career before he became a teacher? Uh, I was always a scientist. Gunny, you don't have to protect me. See, I told you. Okay, told here, you here comes to the people. me against dogs. Oh, Gunny's <laughs> got you safe. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Where, 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 I say, where did you work as a scientist for most of your career? Uh, I I got education from all over the country, Minnesota, Tennessee, Chicago, Um and then I was recruited to Rio as a postdoc scientist uh, with the medical school,
2: in infectious diseases. Oh my goodness, before COVID.
3: Before COVID. So you must
2: have been all over
3: COVID and that was happening. Yeah. You knew it was going on. And then, uh, and then the last, you know, I mean, I, but you know, I go on and off between teaching and uh, between being, doing science and science education. Uh-huh. So I've been all over the place for science education. Uh, and how
2: long have you been teaching a career?
3: My fourth year? How do you like it? Uh, the kids are always wonderful. That's always the best part of the job, you know uh, and especially our our city kids, once you figure them out, they're pretty fun. but you got to figure them out first, right? <laughs> you know so the kids are always great. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on that you know. stuff yeah, trying to teach right now right yeah but. You know, so, for example, COVID, I mean, that's supposedly the biggest roadblock to teaching. I came in four years ago, so, like, I just came in for, like, half a year or something like that, COVID, you know, <laughs> and then we had a year and a half of uh, remote or, quote, unquote hybrid teaching. Uh, that didn't affect me as much. How come? Uh,
1: because I'm a scientist,
3: you know, so... Learning how to do remote teaching, I mean, that was a piece of cake for me. And not only that, you get to teach from your own we
1: Yeah,
3: you know, it was the <laughs> kids that I worry about when we we're doing it. So we we did as much as we could. And know, Juan, today I noticed you had to move your car. Where was it parked on Pendleton? Yes, right uh, right on uh, today. We had to go there. We had to park on the even side of the street, right? So that the snow pile can clear. Yeah.
2: And know what else to do this morning. Are you catching up on grading? Anything else? You can go out with the dog, or
3: uh, I just it took me like ten minutes shoveling, and 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 we're gonna do something that, that is not very, it's not heard of in area like the East Coast. But we're gonna do a Minnesota thing. What's that? With, I'm gonna grab my shovel with my dog, and I'm gonna go to one of my na- elder house, whose husband passed away recently. And, you know, the neighbor, we, you know, we, and I have a couple of Midwestern neighbors here, too. We usually go and shovel the sidewalk for her. That's nice. That's you know. a good But, thing, but that's very Minnesota. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: That's very, that's a very New Haven thing. Hey, Bob. <laughs> do you have any questions for one? Is it a New Haven thing?
3: There was a group it is a, It's very much a New Haven thing. Yeah. See, okay. <laughs> that, that I, 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 I stand corrected. Uh, I just never heard of it before. <laughs> So, Bab, so, do you have any questions for Juan? Yes.
0: Yeah, so, um, are you going to stay a teacher? or Are you going to go back to being a scientist? Do you sort of alternate that
1: life?
3: Well, in the past, I alternate. Uh, now, I just realize how important it is, especially this bridge. You know, of making sure that our youth have access to the uh, to the STEM. I call it the STEM workforce, which. In, Include science, technology, engineering, math, and medicine. I, I add the second M to it because uh, I would include healthcare, you know, in that. Right? And then
2: your school has the partnership with 101 on one colleges getting built up, where they're going to be internships for career kids to be working in the labs at the new bio tower there that was Stanley
3: built. Uh, I that's what I heard. That's what I heard. The plan was, um, us teachers, you know. We're just not privy to those
1: kind of knowledge.
3: <laughs> you know. It's not our pay scale, they say, right?
1: <laughs> you know.
3: But at another time, I would love I would love to talk to you guys about this stuff because I'm actually uh, I've been trying to build like, for example, biotech that, that is pretty much impenetrable to our New Haven kids.
2: Right. Meaning the jobs or yeah. the work?
3: Job, the sector. Well, part of the thing is
2: internships. So they discovered that all the internships at all these companies start now. They're going to suburban kids because they need people and stuff. So the chamber did start
0: a program. I can't hear you, Paul.
3: Let, let me guess. BioLaunch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went to that open. Can you room. hear me now, Babs? Yes. Okay. You I, went to the BioLaunch? Yes. And what'd you think? I think that's the game changer. Uh the uh, professor who started at uh Craig Cruz. Yeah. Uh he's he with the Concat people, yeah. He and I actually sat at a coffee shop down the street. Uh I, I don't go there often. You want to cry the school by edge of school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um oh no my my neighbor's gonna kill me if I don't say that name. I'm forgetting
2: the name, the forgetting the name too, and I live three blocks away and I was just there last week. <laughs> I mean, we're getting really. I think we're the same age line. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I yeah, so, bio launch you think can be a game changer? Yeah, and that's good. Eric Clemens is doing that too with with great crews, and they they hired a guy to do it. And that's Orlando, that's 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 Babs where they get people in New Haven who are like mm-hmm. under twenty five, and they they didn't go to college, but they're going to get this training program, get paid, and then they get like lab jobs and internships, and then a leg into them. So that that's like in the old days if you grew up near winchester you didn't go to college you get a whole career in winchester work on machines working in skilled work
3: and now they want that skilled work to be at the tech companies okay so you know i mean so we have that program which is at the what i call the the, the really entry level right mm-hmm. you know you, you can get like six months of training getting out high school get into it which i mean i i told craig i said do it man Because then they think there's a career. You start learning, setting up the experiments. You're participating in the experiments. Now The the question is, how do you start developing that culture in high school? Yeah. So that they're more ready for it, so that they can be successful.
2: So that's your job. That's where Uh, Juan comes in.
3: That's not my job. My job is just basically to go walk into the classroom and teach. That's That's what I mean. That's my
2: mission. Oh, you're saying it's not just (laughs) the academics. It's also social cues about getting a job, right? Yeah. Showing up on time and things.
3: I, I, you know I said my job is just walk that classroom and teach. Yeah. What we are talking about that's my mission,
2: yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Babs, any more questions for Juan or word on the street on so street? uh
0: so Juan, if you had your way, what could we do right now to start or, or what can we do right now to make a difference in and um uh, bringing kids to stem and and biotech and all that kind of stuff? Oh,
3: oh. Good thing I like the snow. That's a tough question, right? So I can stand out here and answer that. Um, What can we do? Personally, not just biotech, but in general, engineering, math, uh, healthcare, nursing. I think we need a cultural shift in the city. Okay, We need a shift in the sense that the community, the parents know more about it. They need to know more about how do I raise a STEM child? Because most of us don't know that. Definitely most of my neighbor, you know, around here don't know that. So we got to start. And that's usually the hard part. That's why nobody ever does it, you know? So we need to have that piece. And then once you have the family and their child in the school, then you start preparing the kids. Okay. And, and I'll Education in this city, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but this is the independent, right? Right. Oh, okay, so I'm safe. Never You're mind. safe. Just treat <laughs> us. And Babs and our <laughs> listeners and our readers. Uh, I'm safe. Uh, Gunny. Okay, go inside. Gunny, Gunny, no. Go over there. Good girl. Um, I think our science education needs to be modernized.
2: That doesn't get in trouble. Everyone would agree with that.
3: But the oh, question oh, is how, get right? Get in trouble? Not right. not with you guys, not okay. with the community. But how do we modernize it? Uh, we bring in modern science.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, let uh, me tell you, I don't. I'm the only. Ever since I made a career, I'm the only one who, without much help, need I say? That's why I can get in trouble mm-hmm. without much help at all. Um, I'm bringing in. Science equipment. I'm, I'm loaned. I'm actually loaning it. I'm, I'm borrowing it from Southern. I'm borrowing it from Jackson Lab way up in Hartford because I can't get what kind it. of equipment like beakers or microscopes? No, no. Uh, DNA, uh-huh. molecular biology.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, our kid needs to, if they, if they grow up in New Haven with all this industry around here, if they don't know that, they don't have a shot, yes. right? I mean, you know, so I'm, you know, so you got to equip and prepare our teacher for modern science. Our curriculum is pretty outdated. Okay. Yeah. Because well, yeah. I can imagine stuff changes, new discoveries, new pivots in the industry, right? Yes. But, you know, our kids, not I have learning about DNA, human genes, you know, and all this basic stuff. DNA was discovered. Yeah.
2: Watson and Crick in what, the 60s? Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, Lisa, uh, and, the, and the human genome that transformed all right. the right,
2: Craig Venter in the yeah, yeah, that,
3: that was that was not like <laughs> that was just not like discovered last year. right? <laughs> I got you, you know, yeah. I, I think my hair wasn't even gray when uh, when you know, the <laughs> human genome. I program. think
2: you were in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> so Babs, anything else for for? Juan no, buddy?
0: I I I appreciate the conversation.
2: And we're gonna take a few pictures of him and his and his pup. It's not a puppy, right?
3: uh she's 12 years old 12
2: years old we'll put him in the independent and it's Juan and Paul signing off for word on the street on love babs love talk at WNHH New Haven's home for community
0: thank you for the snowy day <laughs> I, I appreciate that I wasn't quite sure if Paul was going to get out there this morning because you know snow but uh I, I like that very much so ha ah, thanks Paul and uh thank you scientist teacher <laughs> i think i think you're right um and i i would i would go so far too i think i personally think there ought to be two tracks i think it should be that under 25 track and then that over 60 track because i think i think um you could <clears throat> people in their 60s and such could have a whole other career um and and probably are much more reliable as a workforce so no shade to young people but I'm just saying uh that'd be a good good idea a very good idea very good idea so I you know I I like the duality of things like I like two tracks of things like let's not just put all our eggs in one basket let's let's do some other things I mean listen let's do some let's put some re-entry people into these into these things right like that's a whole other world. I mean, we spend a lot of time trying to direct people to construction and and the like, and and no shade to construction. I've just been doing that for a very long time. Uh, so I like the idea of uh, uh, a real push and a real dedication and a real commitment uh, to to this new frontier of science, right? And and if we're gonna do it here we should be all about it here and schools should be um, spending their time putting in place how to give kids what they need so they could step into this world, you know, particularly when people love to start this asinine conversation of, well, every child's not going to go to college. I hate that line of thinking. I I just hate it. It, it, We would never say, well, every kid is not going to breathe. <laughs> we would never we would never say that. We would never say, oh well, some kids are, are want air and some kids won't. No, we don't know until we make the effort. We've not tried to put every kid in school. if I dare say if we tried to put every kid in school and 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 get some data on that, then we could say, well, school's not you know higher education is not for everybody, but we don't know that because we've not put a a real push to that. We've just assumed because, well, we, we, we've we assumed because we made it so difficult and challenges and we made, there's so many barriers to a higher education um, that we just assume that people uh, don't want to go. But I, I would put money on the fact that it's not that people don't want to go. It's just that the barriers are too great. And one of the biggest barriers is money. If you cannot pay, it's what are you going to do? I mean, and then you see all this foolishness with with uh, you know people pushing back on the president's um, debt forgiveness. You know, like these Republicans from these states are suing, and I, I have to ask the question, what is it about what is it about debt forgiveness at the federal level that impacts your state? These are the kinds of these are the kinds of things that I, I want thinking people to ask rather than. Just go all willy-nilly with this. Oh, it was unf unvi- Do you know how much debt people carry from student loans, the interest rates alone, and 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 how these shady loan companies. I mean, I just I don't I don't understand why we would not create opportunities for our citizens to be the best possible citizens. That we could have a well-educated citizenry. Why are we not on that bandwagon? Why are we allowing six Republican from six Republicans from six very different states to whine about student loan forgiveness? I'll tell you why, because their pockets are being lined by lobbyists who don't want to see debt forgiven. Follow the money. Otherwise, I don't see what the impact is to your state. What impact to your state does debt forgiveness have at the federal level? What? (laughs) I don't don't understand. Because if people's debt are forgiven, guess what happens? They have more money to do other things. You know, like buy a house, pay for things, buy the niceties that we say. So I'm not understanding this foolishness. That's, that's what I mean.
1: I, I cannot
0: tolerate this deliberate stupidity. Deliberate. And people just like go along with it. Oh No. Ask the question. Ask the questions. And if they give you some BS answer, ask the question again. Just keep asking the question until you get to an answer that makes some damn sense. Because otherwise, they're just saying this stuff. They're just... How is forgiving? We forgive debt all the time. We did it for the banking industry. We did it for the car industry. We do it for the for the damn rail industry every other week. <laughs> you mean to tell me we can't do it for our, our everyday citizens who are putting themselves through schools, trying to make these payments, who are giving back to their communities, who are educating our children, who are... Are taking care of us as doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs, that we can't forgive that for. We can't forgive that. You you see, this is the kind of crazy I cannot stand. It's the kind of crazy, and 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 to have politicians, you know, this 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 new Jack grade of politicians, is just trash. They don't fight back, and it just bothers me to no end. It just bothers me, bothers me. So I'm just saying, you know. Ask the questions.
1: Ask the questions. Girl, yes. <sighs> you know, I people just get on my nerves. <laughs> I'm the editor.
0: I just get this. I'm on air. I'm on air. I'm on air
1: right now. I'm the editor. So there you go. Uh, so, so, so that, that's my lament.
0: It's all connected. It, nothing is disconnected. Everything is disconnected. When you have these kinds of conversations about education, you know, it lends itself to having a conversation about housing. If you're going to have a, a conversation about housing, then you have to have a conversation about health disparities because all the disparities are linked. You can't have one without the other, you know, uh, they're all linked and we, we have to holistically treat them and attack them. So that's, that's, that's my, my, my thinking, you know, we got a group of people over here working on this thing, a group of people over here working on this thing. And that's fine. I, I just think there needs to be some communication back and forth. Do you know what I mean? Like there's gotta be a runner back and forth. So, okay, this is what we talk about. This is what we're doing. What are y'all working on over here? Okay, we're working on this. Okay, so how can we combine efforts on some of this so that we can get the outcomes that we need? Because you need the same outcomes. You want to house people. We want to make sure health disparity gap is closed. And we want people to be paid well, right? Better, a living wage. You know what I mean? So you see how all these things are sort of connected? They're all, and, and people want safe neighborhoods. So how do we do that? You know, how do we make safe neighborhoods for people who work and 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 how do we have healthy diets for people? You know, how do we get people to have healthy diets? So, so it's all connected. It. It's it's it I mean it this is real community building kind of stuff. You know, well, I mean, we see it. Well, we see farmers markets coming into, into neighborhoods that were food apartheid. Uh, we're seeing community gardens where we didn't see them before, and so people are, inv- are invested in that and still people are falling short. How do we connect people to uh to uh to the to to Wi-Fi, right? So that they have access. So
1: the pandemic has shown us that um uh um we 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 have uh we have
0: shown that uh that people we have shown that we have shown, oh my God, I can't, I lost my train of thought. I'm listening to too many voices in my head um uh, so 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 we know uh that we can work on these issues because we have people working individually and collectively on these issues. We just have to do a better job collectively on some of these issues. That's all. That's that's the point that I'm making. That's the only point that I want to make about that. You know, so so hearing the good teacher, the scientist teacher, um, talk about what is to come and how we must get prepared to prepare a workforce for it. And you know, we've been hearing this for quite some time. Like st- a STEM, STEM, and the STEM language is not new to us. We've been using it for some time, right? So now it's coming to a head with this whole bio launch thing. I'm I'm intrigued by it. Um, it's it's out of my scope in life, but whatever I can do to sort of elevate, that's what I want to do. So maybe I'll have them on. They can come talk about this. Uh, I know they. I, I think they'll probably make the rounds. They'll probably make Paul's show. I mean, at least I know they've been writing about it in the uh, in in the independent. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a good thing. it's a good thing so we could just uh we could just sort of uh be about it so uh that's exciting to me uh there's a there was a shooting in East Rock yesterday so you know all the white folks is all up in arms you know because (laughs) you know the white folks the white folks in New Haven that live in 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 parts of New Haven that feel suburban you know are always aghast when there's shootings going on, <laughs> and then and then they then they realize, oh gosh, we're we're in a city, <laughs> you know. So so when the gun when gunshots gets a little too close to them, they're like, oh my god, we have to do something. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, meanwhile in Newhallville, and Dixwell, and and where and the Hill, and where shootings are going on all the time uh like like we live with it uh meanwhile uh it, well listen to the folks who've, who who have who are who are not who have not had the experience of gunshots and gun violence in their neighborhood welcome to this uh club, and uh maybe if you lend your voice to the larger voices that uh, maybe some things can get done. Like, you know, don't wait to the next shooting to get involved. Here's your moment. No shade to y'all.
1: I get it. You live someplace nice. It doesn't affect you. You don't feel it. Uh, You know, that uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, you
0: live in a, you live in a whole city with with whole city ills, and even though your several blocks of your neighborhood feel suburban and its in its affect, uh doesn't mean you are that you are uh oblivious and above uh what is going on in the city in and in its wholeness and totality. So I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying lest we forget, lest we forget. So, uh, so yeah, I I I saw the the uh, I saw it, you know. And uh, maybe this is your invitation to uh, pick up arms, and I don't mean arms like physically. Like I don't mean go get yourselves guns. I mean arms in terms of a clarion call that you are answering now, because the violence has seeped into your neighborhood. And you feel some kind of way. So that's all I'm saying. You know. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> it's a good thing. 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 So. uh, And see it as such. Don't see it as something that's going to. uh, uh Be a problem. A problem that other people have to deal with. That it becomes part of what you have to do to live in the city. That's all I'm saying. You know, just take it on that way. So,
1: are you still on your call?
0: Okay. Is it muted? Okay. So they don't hear me. (laughs) Well, yeah, because this, yeah, this, yeah, this is my job though. (laughs) Like I'm paid to do this. this. This is my job. Hi, everybody <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. so all right, um, let me see what else is happening because uh it is I have not heard the um plow trucks come down the street, so uh I don't know if we were supposed to uh if people were supposed to move their cars or what they're supposed to do, and it always seems to be challenging in this city, you know, to allow the plow trucks to uh come. I, I will say this. I hope that this is the first and the last snowstorm because it's just it's just it's pretty. I I I grant you it's very pretty. It's very quieting. Very quieting. Uh but it is also a, a pain in the butt. <laughs> it is a it is a bit of a pain in the
1: butt and uh, uh, I'm just gonna say you know it is
0: quieting uh, but uh you know the older I get the more I'm like oh
1: I, I just cannot
0: <laughs> uh, I just can't so we'll we'll see we'll see We'll see, um, but the temperature will rise, and it'll get warm and and it'll start to melt and it'll get all slushy, and it'll be like Ew. <laughs> right like it'll be Ew. like it's already above freezing, so it's thirty four degrees um it's gonna climb up to thirty eight it's probably gonna rain this afternoon, you know, so it's gonna rain, and then it'll start washing a lot of this away, and you know, so. By Thursday, we'll be back up in the 50s, tomorrow, 44. So, you know, I mean, this weather has been really uh, crazy. But listen, hold on, spring. Spring is just around the corner. I mean, it literally is just around the corner. Uh, And this is the last day of February. Black History Month is done. And we move into uh, Women's History Month. And uh, celebrate the accomplishments of women in the face of great odds all the time. (laughs) That's what, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So, so we're going to step into that. Uh, I think, what is it? International Women's Day is,
1: is that tomorrow? Yes. Well, uh, Women's History.
0: So, so yeah. So I, I'm I'm working on that now, trying to trying to stack the paper with all kinds of things um, that about are, are uh, for and about women, and uh, you know, that's that's what we're doing. So uh, I'm going to take a break in a minute, um, and uh, I'm dressed for the day. I got to got a couple of meetings this morning and, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, I I did want to touch on, uh, Lucretia who was the first, uh, enslaved person here in new Haven. Uh, they dedicated, um, a corner to her, uh, yesterday. Um, and it was wonderful to see, uh, uh, I first got wind of this this week, uh, last week, when I was having the conversation, hosting the conversation, hosting the artist in Seven Lenses exhibition at Southern Connecticut State University. And one of the artists um, found out about this and posed her mother as Lucretia in the spaces where she would have walked. And that was the first time I've heard of this. And um, I, I want to say this was like, uh this was like some ridiculous time frame that uh that we never think about in terms of enslaved people and uh i think it's in the new haven independent
1: i think that's where i saw it first and uh, uh yeah i think that's where i saw it i'm i'm, I'm trying to pull it up now oh
0: god this thing, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I just get the wrong, you know, when you do these searches and the and the the AI tries to like tell you what it what it what it wants you what it thinks is you're trying to tell it. So anyway, Lucretia gets her, her own corner. So it is in the uh it is in the inner city. And I think this is so apropos for the last day of Black History Month. Uh I I didn't go to this. Uh, We don't know her last name because you know slaves didn't have last names. They was just given a name, and uh, but uh, I do believe I signed a petition when it was going around,
1: and uh, and Lucretia, bless her heart.
0: uh, advocated for health of the elderly, an enslaved woman doing that work. So uh, I am uh, I am excited about this, and it's it's over there. It's over there, right, right. It's right downtown, because I guess the 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 person that owned her, if you can even own people, I guess you could have uh, their estate was right there. I mean it's just a weird kind of thing, right? So I so I when I was talking to the artist about this, I I just had a sense of um I walked the same streets that this woman walked, you know. Like we we exist in the same space in the same spaces. I mean, it doesn't look nothing like what it looked like for her time. Uh but it was something. And the fact that she walked these streets, and and this was in 1638, you know, we never think about that. So, all right, I got to go. I'll be back. Thank you, Harry. (laughs) Harry's like, Babs, you got to go. All right, I'll be back in uh, 15 minutes. (laughs) Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.
4: While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases with higher rates in Hispanic and Black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, Visit NHB backs.org. Even in strange times, I'll find my strength. Hidden when down upstairs, oh, oh. do you love me? don't belong the I, I was born Crying the there'll
5: Distant shores, I've been waiting, wanting more for the whole night, and it ain't right. I've been saying what's on my mind, trying to explain what can't be defined, and for so long, it's been so strong. Suddenly, it's clear now that I can hear. The ones that I wrote Oh these melodies Here are some memories And these love notes I found in an old coat mean something new oh,
0: back to the second hour of love babs love talk it's uh tuesday and it's a snow day so kids are home so <laughs> god bless y'all <laughs> god bless y'all when i when i left the second hour i was talking about uh, lucretia who uh in 1638 kate was the first uh african-american uh first enslaved person I, she, she wasn't even an american she's the first african enslaved in new haven connecticut and uh, there was a dedication of a corner with her name on it. She didn't have a last name because uh, slaves tend to not tend to not have had a, a last name. So, uh, and so uh, when I found out about this, and I just recently found out about this, wasn't like I I grew up knowing this or anything like that. I just found out about it, and it just got me thinking about how I've walked the same streets that this woman probably walked, you know, in 1638, 1638, you know, and we never think about uh, slavery in 1600s, 1700s, you know, Uh, we never think about it. And so, uh, and we, and I know we don't think about it in relationship to Connecticut at all, you know, because there's this myth that Northern states were freed states and that just was not true. Um, I went to a Juneteenth celebration last year in uh, uh, um, like in the New London area at Old Saybrook and they had like I don't know, some ridiculous amount like 15,000 enslaved people or some old mess uh, and that was quite telling and quite interesting so uh, the the threads and the the threads and the roots of uh slavery and enslavement is very deep here in Connecticut and in this country, but in Connecticut, I, I don't think we do enough to talk about it. I don't think we do enough to elevate it. You know, I was I was at the New Haven Museum when they were talking about the 1831 college that could have been the first HBCU HBCU in the country Uh, but it was thwarted by it was thwarted by 700 to four It was like seven 700 townspeople and yale people and four abolitionists (laughs) in favor of Um, and this was at the time of william ladson and uh and and the folks from the dixwell congregational church uh who were prominent freed black men uh at the time um, and, I, I, and I think about that, too. I think about, like, I want somebody to do a play or a reenactment of what that time must have looked like and felt like. Because these were freed men in the midst of enslaved men, Black people. And what, what that must have looked like. And, and Mr. Ladson lived in Worcester Square and is responsible for the Long Wharf as we know it. Uh, there's a statue for him that sits over there in Yale grounds. That was done by uh uh Dana uh King uh in in uh Oakland, who just finished up the Huey Newton statue uh for the folks for the folks in Oakland. So um so I, I think about those times and the ways in which they must have had conversations and the ways in which they tried to move an agenda and the ways in which they tried to sort of have some agency and autonomy in the midst of ens- around enslaved people. And it could not have been easy being a freed man with the threat of being captured or kidnapped loomed all the time because that happened too. So you I think you just had to be careful all the damn time, even if you were free. It's just just I'm just freaked out by that. I I am wholly freaked out by that. Freaked out not in a sense like I can't believe it. Freaked out that what it must have taken for people to sort of go about living their lives, working, becoming uh, uh, self-sufficient and free and buying freedom for other people and family members, like that must have taken a great deal. I'm in awe of that. Of the of the commitment that black people had to get free, you know that is that is just in the face of such abomination of slavery and hatred and not being seen as human, uh, you know, I, I I'm in all of the tenacity of people. There was no belaboring or or, or even if it was belaboring you know how hard life was people had to sort of keep it moving like they had to sort of survive and so survival meant you know you do what is what is expedient and necessary uh to to stay out of harm's way so 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 I'm thinking about Lucretia I'm thinking about all those folks that you know uh that were here I think that's why I've got to go tour the uh, the cemetery. I got to go take a stroll through the through the cemeteries where, because that's where I want to the grocery cemetery. Because I think that's where I want to be buried in that space. So I want to go take a tour Uh, because there's lots of prominent Black people in that space too, you know. And I, you know, all I lived here all my life. I never, I never really paid attention to the cemetery. I only knew the wall because, you know, American Linen sat on the other side of the wall, and we lived in Church Street South, so we would catch the bus or walk, uh, you know, from we would walk there to to American Linen, and so we'd always have to pass by the the wall. It it never dawned on me that to think about. Think about it as a cemetery, and I've never been in there. And it wasn't until I was at the Schwartzman Center, and I was uh, upstairs in 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 Woolsley Hall above Woosley Hall, where they have created this whole wellness place for students. And I I was standing up there overlooking the cemetery. I've never seen that view, that vantage point before, and that was just a couple of weeks ago. I was in awe of how big the Grove Street Cemetery is. I just never paid attention to it. You know, like it's right there in plain sight. So uh, I was just in awe. So I'm going to go take a tour. I think sooner rather than later so that I could get a sense of where I want to be in there. (laughs) I think that's where I want to (laughs) go. I want to stay in New Haven. No matter where I am, whether I'm living in Kigali or whatever, send my my remains back to New Haven and back to New Haven I go. You know, that's what I I think that's what I would like. I would like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's see if we can get the wishes done. Right, uh, uh, so I think uh, when I was talking to Mike Moran about it, it's not terribly expensive to uh uh to buy uh. Uh, a a a plot. I I don't have a spouse, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, uh, and uh, and they're always doing t- tours, so maybe I get Mike Moran to give me a tour. You know, on some lovely spring day. That's I think that's what I want to do. So they have their own website. So. Uh, so the New Haven, Connecticut barrier ground. Uh, Opened in 1796. I think I talked about this before. It's the oldest cemetery in the nation designed as a city of the dead. You had me a city. With with named avenues and cross streets, a National Historic Landmark, it is also the first chartered burial ground in the United States and the first to be arranged in family lots. Leave it to Connecticut. So uh, so I'm fascinated by this. Uh, I, am, I am fascinated. So it has its own board of directors. Uh, the proprietors of the Grove Street Cemetery are represented by the standing committee, which oversees the operation of the cemetery and supervises the management of its finances to ensure the continued fiscal soundness of the cemetery. So, So what happens if it's not sound? You dig up everybody? I don't know any of these people. Oh, I do, I do, I do, I do. Members of the standard, Charles H. Long, Gerald Gabe, Lloyd uh, Suttle, Eleanor Babbitt, Regina Starolis, Ann Calabresi. We know Alan, We know Anne Calabresi. Um, Charles Ellis, we know Charles Ellis, Judith Hackman, Lorraine Siggins, and C. Michael Tucker. And then there's friends of the Grove Street Cemetery and the Friends of the Grove Street Cemetery is administered by an elected board of directors composed of persons committed to the organization's purposes. I think I want to be on that board. I don't know how I get on that board. Mike is the chair. (laughs) John Deming, Benjamin Sandweiss, uh, Cordelia, Benoit, Tina Burgett, Darlene Casella, Henry Dina Danya, Channing Harris, Karen Krochmel, Millie Lingenhausen, Sandra Markham, oh, Jill Snyder, and Charles Warner Jr. So I know them. This is fascinating to me. Fascinating to me. Uh, Let's see. What's the history? So I read the history, but the Grove Street Cemetery is the first chartered burial ground in the United States. It, it, succeed, it succeeded the previous common burial ground, the New Haven Green. That I did not know. Wow. After severe yellow fever epidemics in 1794 and 1795, the Green was simply too crowded to continue as the city's chief burial ground. I did not know that the green was the burial ground. I knew people were buried behind those churches, uh, but I didn't know the green itself. So in 1796, uh, a group of New Haven citizens led by U.S. Senator James Hillhouse, planned a new cemetery on a location at the edge of town. So I guess that was the edge of town over there on Grove Street. So the efforts were officially recognized in October, 1797, when the state of Connecticut incorporated the cemetery as the new burying ground in New Haven. The first burial took place on November 9, 1797. So the layout of the cemetery appears to have been unique for its time. It was arranged in lots for families. Uh, Contemporaneous cemeteries were more commonly laid out for, for random burials. The grounds were also divided to give space to parishioners of the three churches on the green. Strangers who might die in New Haven, the indigent persons of color, indigent persons of color and members of Yale College. Huh, the green continued to be used, the, uh, the green continued to be used intermittent, but to a lesser extent. The last burial there occurred in 1812. The stone grave markers on the green were eventually moved to Grove Street. Some were used to mark out the boundaries of a burial sites in this cemetery. A great many lined the cemetery's rear walls in alphabetical order. I have to go see this. The Grove Street Cemetery uh, antedates the expansive and distinguished cemeteries of Parische in Paris and Mount Auburn in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Not long after its opening it was already shown with pride to foreign visitors. <laughs> look at look at us, look at our cemetery. <laughs> Timothy Dwight, the president of Yale commented in 1811, I have accomplished I have ac- I I have accompanied To it, many foreigners and many Americans who have traveled extensively on the Eastern continent, none of whom have ever seen or heard of anything of a similar nature. An exquisite taste for propriety is discovered in everything belonging to it. No plot of ground within my knowledge is equally solemn and impressive. Even this solemn location, though, has had difficult times. By 1830, the wooden fence had fallen had failed to prevent the cemetery grounds from becoming a thoroughfare subject to vandalism. So I guess they had a different fence that people was cutting through. Is that <laughs> trying to instead of walking all the way around? It, it's like, let me just climb the fence and cut through. Those who valued the cemetery wanted a place for quiet reflection and a dignified environment for the repose of their families. Under the leadership of Professor Dennison Olmsted. Yale's famed astronomer, the city, the public, and the proprietors eventually raised $25,000 to establish the protection the grounds deserved. In 1845, the present wall with this imposing entrance was completed. You're not climbing that joker. You're not climbing that wall to cut through. That wall is high like a fortress. <laughs> Architect Henry Austin designed it in the Egyptian style favored at the time. I did not know that either. Ooh, there's some history for you. So now when I look at this wall, I'm gonna look at it very differently. So in the Egyptian style, 1845. After organizations of Evergreen Cemetery in 1849, the title New Burying Ground in New Haven was modified to New Haven City Burial Ground. By the 1870s, however, the site was familiarly called the Grove Street Cemetery. And the name has since become commonplace. (laughs) So so people would say, you know, the New Haven City Burial Ground. And then people would go, you mean the Grove Street? The one over there on Grove Street? I know exactly how that went down. We do it all the time. The building immediately inside the gate was built in 1872 as a chapel so that services could be held in inclement weather. See, I've never been in there, so I don't know what that is. I've only seen, you know, when you drive by, you see the gate, you see the opening, but I've never really been in there. So the building immediately inside the gate was built in 1872 as a chapel, so that services could be held in inclement weather. Its only decoration, just under the eve, is a gilded bee symbol of the soul's release from the body. This I have to see. This Victorian structure now serves as the office of the cemetery superintendent and assistant superintendent. So I guess you no longer get to have services in there because they took it over as an office. Huh. Foliage in the cemetery has undergone an extensive evolution from the days of James Hillhouse. Hillhouse prized trees. He conceived the extensive plantings that gave New Haven its title the Elm City. Also, he put on them damn elm trees all over the place that, that didn't last. For the cemetery, he chose Lombardy poplars along the main streets. But these were dying by the 1830s. Therefore, when the new walls were built, new shrubs and trees, chiefly evergreens, were planted. Uh, Photographs from the 1890s saw tall evergreens within the walls. But today, the trees and shrubs are more varied. Ice, snow, and high winds have damaged and destroyed trees, especially old elms and oaks. Tree replacement is ongoing. Okay. So, you know, you got to just keep putting in new trees as trees die. Grove Street is an urban cemetery. I like that very much. Its geometrical pattern echoes the city of New Haven's nine square layout. Now that I did not know. I did not know that. The cemetery's paths give access, easy access to horse-drawn vehicles and automobiles. Can you imagine? That must have been a sight to see horse-drawn carriages come through and and the early days of automobiles. It allows no room for a grove of trees. Space for burial sites is maximized. Extraordinarily varied markers from obelisks to uh, sarcophagi to the simplest gravestone decorate the cemetery. The history of New Haven with its many themes, crisis, and accomplishments can be traced in Grove Street Cemetery. So it's like, it's a historical place that you can get history from. Among the internationally renowned persons interred here are Eli Whitney, the inventor, Noah Webster, the lexicographer, Josiah Willard Gibbs Jr., scientist, Lyman Beecher, abolitionist and prohibitionist, O.C. Marsh, paleontologist, and Lars Onsanger, Nobel Prize winner. Persons important to the American life are numerous. Roger Sherman, the only person to have signed all four basic documents of American sovereignty, including the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, Walter Camp, father of American football, Jedediah Morse, father of American geography, and S.E.B. Morse, painter and telegraph inventor, Dr. Worthington Hooker. Now, I guess that's the school named after him, Worthington Hooker. Worthington Hooker, father of American medical ethics. New Haven's history is represented by industrialists, clergy, military figures, lawyers, physicians, and Yale presidents and professors. Mary A. Goodman, the African-American woman who gave her life savings to Yale Divinity School to educate African-American clergy, is buried here along with African-American Civil War veterans. Roger Sherman Baldwin, who argued the case for the Amistad slaves imprisoned in New Haven, and Professor Josiah Willard Gibbs, Jr., who deciphered
1: the language spoken by the captives, are also here. Okay. So so at their website, there's a short video
0: clip about the Grove Street Cemetery founding fathers. Uh, which was directed by uh, Carol Evans, who I know, Carol Evans. Uh, You could buy the DVD. Uh, And then there's a a short video clip about the cemetery's early history, uh, taken from the documentary Grove Street Cemetery, City of the Dead. Uh, Another one by Carol Evans. So that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of history. <laughs> there, there is a lot of history for a cemetery. I don't
1: know if all cemeteries have this level of uh uh history connected to it, and then all the people that are buried there, which
0: is incredible. You know, I mean I just thread off a few, but they got a whole list of uh of folks, you know. Uh
1: and uh so let me see. I'm gonna keep looking because I want to uh
0: oh and they have a publication that they put out too, which is which is interesting. So if you want it. Um, uh, you can, and you want to send articles. Uh, you could do it. So let me let me go to frequently asked questions. Uh, it asks the question: When is the cemetery open? Well, is the cemetery open to visit as a place for personal contemplation and reflection? Are burial plots available? What is the cost of a burial plot? Okay, are there answers to this?
1: I wonder if I, oh shoot, I can just click on. In
5: general,
0: in general, the cemetery is open from eight to four and the office is open from nine to one, Monday through Friday. So, you know, call them to see what's happening to verify hours in case something's going on. Um, Visitors should note that entry time is 3.30 p.m. The last time you could get in there is at 3.30. Because the staff has to go around the grounds and secure the cemetery by four. Okay. Yes. Is the cemetery open for personal contemplation and reflection? Yes. Many people who live or work in the area visit the cemetery for just such a purpose. I love it. Yes, are burial plots available? Yes, many are available. <laughs> so, for for more information, you 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 call about availability and fees, or write to Celia Jennings, and it will get back to you. What is the cost of a plot? As of November 2020, the price for a single grave plot is $7,500, half grade plots are 4,000. I don't know what a half grade plot is. I think Mike Moran was trying to explain it to me and it went out of my head cause it was freaky. So I'm gonna have to ask him again. <laughs> is perpetual care included in the price of the plot? Yes, the cemetery staff provide per- per- perpetual care as part of the purchase price. I wonder
1: if I could have a rose bush put on my plot. Uh, are there groups of plots available? Yes,
0: although the number and availability may change. Generally, there are from two to four contiguous contiguous plots available in certain locations in the
1: cemetery. <clears throat> Uh,
0: uh, does the cemetery accept for burial the remains of someone whose body has been cremated yes so maybe that's where the half plot comes in because you wouldn't need a whole thing if you've been cremated that's interesting what is the relationship to the to Yale University the grocery cemetery has no affiliation with Yale uh, though a number of Yale presidents, alumni, members of the Yale family are buried in the cemetery. I mean, it's a, the it's a city cemetery. You're going to be buried in the city. Because I don't know of any others. Well, I guess there are other cemeteries. But yes, of course, there are other cemeteries. Hamden, uh over by Southern. Uh, I think there's one, even in New Haven, the one that's over off the boulevard. Does, does an individual have to be connected uh, to Yale in any way to be buried in a cemetery? Nope. Uh, does an individual have to belong to any historical organization or genealogical society to qualify for burial in the cemetery? Nope. Are military funerals permitted in the, c- in the cemetery? Yes, military funerals are held in the c- cemetery each year. Such burial services are often accompanied by a gun salute.
1: Huh.
4: Okay.
1: Well,
0: that's a lot about uh the wonderful uh, Yale Cemetery. So now I must get myself there and take a tour, and then I'll come back and talk about it some more. <laughs> Thank you.
1: That's the—that is the idea, you know. Uh, and they even have um, all the inscriptions of the people,
0: like the Revolutionary War markers and stuff like that, and. I mean, you know, some of these people are very young. Oh, some of them, lots of them are very, very old too. Like even in the 1700s, people lived, seemed like they lived a long time, you know? Interesting. Whew. But, you know, when the yellow fever came by, because you could see lots of children, lots of children, um, uh, lots of children. I, I'm starting to see that. And I I guess that's to that, to the yellow fever that just came through and uh and uh did people in, you know. But uh fascinating. I, I'm glad I got to spend some time talking about the history of the cemetery and to know that there were black pe- that there are black people um, buried there, you know, uh it just gives me pause. And uh and it really makes me uh want to go. So I'm gonna make it my business as soon as the weather breaks again. Like I want a warm day, you know, and go and stroll and uh and see it and to see uh the, the, the horticulture because it's it says when you walk through the Grove Street Cemetery. You take some time to look at the handsome trees and plants, as well as the monuments with famous names. And you listen to the leaves and the birds and you meander in the dappled shade and you take in the fragrance. Grove Street is truly an oasis definition, a green area in an arid region, a refuge (laughs) in the outer ring of downtown New Haven. Entering through Henry Austin's Neo-Egyptian gateway, you may be struck by the abundance of trees, shrubs, and flowering plants of many, many kinds. And in fact, the entire 750 foot long planting bed behind the cast iron fence on Grove Street was always reserved for plantings, not burials. So in the lore of cemeteries, this decision is attributed to the idea that living things should not be recalled in the city of the dead. And in fact, in many communities, planted cemeteries predate and set the tone for the first parks. Even in the early phases of development, James Hillhouse was concerned with the appearance of the cemetery and wrote that he thought Lombardy poplars and willows would be appropriate. Early 19th century horticultural literature also promoted evergreens as the appropriate signature plantings to characterize cemeteries as had been done in Britain generations before. Austin's watercolor rendering of the gateway and flanking fence shows the space filled with a variety of plants. And although no tree in the cemetery is original to the 1796 date, there are a few handsome, huge old trees, which date to at least the middle of the 19th century when money was collected to fund the wall and planting beautification, such as the big horse chestnut on Maple Avenue. Note, a number of the major trees have identifying tags and a handout is being updated describing these. Over the decades, as many of these trees have succumbed to advanced age and disease and storm damage, there have been periodic efforts to replace them. The proprietors and friends of the Grove Street Cemetery have raised funds and implemented replantings a number of times. In 0203, 2002-2003, a plan was developed adding 2,000 ginkgo trees and several thornless honey locusts planted on Myrtle Avenue and Central Avenue, respectively. A good stand of locusts already shades Central Avenue and the new ones were added to this graceful alley. Ginkgos were chosen because They are a handsome, enduring, pollution-resistant tree associated with sacred temples in their native China. It has has a lovely small fan-shaped leaves and turn a brilliant yellow in the fall. Another good season to visit the cemetery and take in its beauty. I'm, I'm excited about this. Unfortunately, we are now losing all our ash trees, the victim of an imported Asian pest beetle. Um, recalling the loss of elms in the mid 20th century replacements of other species have been provided at one such location and others are being planned to fill these gaps in the tree canopy i i love this so well anyway i'll get back to this after i uh go visit and uh and i'll let y'all know so for now i'm on my way out thanks for uh uh letting me kind of virtually walk through the grocery cemetery. I think I'm just gonna put some money together, save some money, and uh that's where I want to be planted. <laughs> I like to be interred there. I think I think I'd be quite happy for a lot of reasons. So I'm on my way out. Y'all be safe out here and uh enjoy the snowy day. I'll be back tomorrow.